0: uh <laughs> good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at stsa those who are joining us here today in arlington those who are across the screen in leesburg glad to have you today we are in part three of a series called pulse check or what we are talking about is seven habits okay or seven markers of a healthy church member we talked about in the very first week that being part of the church is the greatest honor that we have on this planet we are the part of the body of christ the fullness of him who fills all in all But with that great honor comes responsibility. So the same way when you go to the doctor, okay, they check your vital signs first and foremost before you do anything, because it doesn't matter if your foot hurts, if your heart isn't pumping blood right, we'll get to the foot later. It doesn't matter if you're saying my shoulder this or my toe this, if your temperature, like whatever the vital signs, that's what we look at first. So that's what this series is about. It's about seven habits that we put together, and they're based on these five vital signs of the spiritual life the five vital signs of the spiritual life and as you see they're on the screen they're community worship maturity sacrificing and witnessing these are the five things which at any point in time i need to look at you and you say hey father anthony um i want to talk about um like i need help making a decision about my career okay wait a minute before we get to that let's check the vital signs are you in community or are you trying to do things Lone Ranger? Are you have, is worship a regular part of your life? Are you growing spiritual maturity? Are you sacrificing in any way? And are you witnessing? Those are the vital signs. If any of those vital signs are not there, if something is out of place, we need to address that right away. Because the spiritual life that's missing any of these components, not one or two, we need them all to be working together, is one that is in a state of not being healthy. So every week what we're doing is we're going through one habit based on these five vital signs the first week we looked at the vital sign of community who remembers what our healthy habit was there anyone remember first week very good it was join a life group and we talked about in the first week about how god has a plan for my life at an individual level but also as part of the body and if you miss one you miss both okay my son cannot know my will for his life outside of our family Because he's part of the family. So if he says, I want to do things Lone Ranger. I don't need to be part of the body. I don't have anything to do with my sister. I want to talk to my mother. Then you put yourself outside of my plan for you. Same thing when it comes to the house of God. Second week, we took the second vital sign of worship. And we talked about regular time with God. And how all of us need the most important quality, or not quality, habit. That is going to determine the quality of your spiritual life is going to be your regular time with God. The daily time, we said even just 12 minutes a day, just 12 minutes a day, money back guaranteed, just 12 minutes a day is enough to help us deepen our relationship with God and to understand his will and to grow closer to him and to be blessed in life. That was last week's message. Go check the, either of those two out on YouTube if you missed either one of them. Today, we're gonna get into the third habit and we're gonna go to the vital sign of sacrificing. Sacrificing. And we're going to talk about how, like this is, this is an obvious one. There can be no such thing as a Christian, like Christianity and sacrifice, there's no, you can't have one without the other. There can't be such a thing as a Christian or a church or a church member who lives only for himself. Because Christianity is based on Jesus Christ and his whole life can be, can be summarized in one word, which is sacrifice. So today we're going to talk about what it means to sacrifice sacrifice and to be not just consumers, but to be contributors. Now, when it comes to the topic of sacrifice, there's two areas, there's two things that we're called to sacrifice for God, your time and your money. We're gonna focus on our time. Not, we're not talking about money, not that money isn't important, but that's a different topic about giving. We're talking about giving of our time more than anything else, and that's why today's spiritual habit, today's marker of success, is actively volunteering. And I'm highlighting that word actively because there's some people who signed up to volunteer way back in the day, signed up on that list and their names on the list and you get the emails about the different things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about getting emails from volunteer teams. I'm not talking about just saying that you have the little badge that you stamp. I'm talking about actively doing this, rolling up the sleeves, not just sitting in the chairs and being a consumer that's what the world is today is a consumer, but being a contributor. Now, before I get into the specifics, okay, this is very important. This is very important. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. This is not a, we need sermon. This is an, I need sermon. This is not a, we need the church needs. Like this is not John F. Kennedy asked not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. This is not that. This is not, well, we need help in the Sunday school, or we need help setting up the chairs, or a priest needs help writing jokes. We don't need help in those areas. We're doing just fine, as you yourselves are witnesses to week after week. This is not a we need anything. This is an I need. And my goal today is to convince you that you, if you are not volunteering, you are missing out. And that's why at any point in time, I'm giving you permission. If at any point in time you hear me and you start to think to yourself, he's just trying to get me to do whatever. He's just trying to convince me to do whatever. They just need help. If that's what you think, at any point in time, I give you permission, stand up, storm out of the doors. I give you permission right now. Because that's not the goal. This is not a church needs, this is a I need. This is not a put another way, what what we want from you, but this is what I want for you, I promise you. This is not I want anything from you what I want for you, because I believe as our guests who were up here on the stage a minute ago said, that ultimately who benefits most from volunteering is I do, and I'm going to try to convince you of that today, why you need to volunteer and it is essential to your spiritual health. Why? Before I get into that, the world today, why does the world today, living in the world today, volunteering is so important? There was a study done in the year 2017, so five years ago, by a travel company in the UK. I think the name of the company was First Choice. And that study, it was titled New Answers to an Age-Old Question. That was the name of the study. New Answers to an Age-Old Question. They took 1,000 children between the ages of 6 and 17. Between 6 and 17, and they asked them one question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Do you remember this question when we were young? You can tell... A person's age by the answers to this question. Because when we were kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman. You know what I mean? Like we had simple, like creative, like fun, they're easy answers. That's not the way the world is today anymore. I'm gonna tell you some of the answers. Some of them okay, there were some normal answers in their, in these people in, in the survey. Lawyer got six percent. That's a normal one. Some people, lawyer. your opinion about lawyers aside, okay, that's a, that's a good one. Athlete got 12%. Doctor got 13%. So those are normal, like we, we're used to those. But those are all in the bottom five. Now let me tell you the top five in, in ascending order. Number five was a filmmaker. 14% of kids said filmmaker. Not too bad. The next two, number three and four, were tied. Actor and Singer. You had filmmaker and you had actor and singer, 16%. Number two at 18% was a blogger. Number one, by a landslide. Number one, by a landslide. And guess? YouTuber. YouTuber. 34% of kids between seven, or when I say six and 17, that's one out of every three kids. So if you got three kids, one of them is thinking, my goal in life, forget about law school, forget about medical school. YouTube, baby, that's where I wanna go. And then I couldn't believe this. So I went to my children and I said, kids, okay, this YouTuber thing, is this a thing? And they're like, yeah, you you could be rich, you could be famous, whatever it is. So I said, give me some names of YouTubers. And I, I confirmed, they... The top five YouTubers, they actually were able to name three of the top five YouTubers. Let me give you some of the names. Okay, this one is, I'll tell you how it's spelled, and they told me it's pronounced differently, but it's spelled pew. Die pew. Okay? But it's pronounced, apparently, PewDiePie. But it's spelled PewDiePie, And they were like, oh, yeah, PewDiePie, he's famous, whatever, whatever, whatever. Parents may have heard of one called Vlad and Nicky. Any of your parents ever heard of it? Say some people have. Okay, kid stuff. This one I'm really confused by. It's called Ola Soy German. <laughs> Ola Soy German. So i, I I'm really confused. And then the one that they knew very well. Raise your hand if, you, if, you, if you're one of these people. you ever heard of Mr. Beast? Yeah. Okay, some people have heard of Mr. Beast, okay? So Mr. Beast, I'm taking this from Wikipedia. What Mr. Beast? Quote, has pioneered a genre of YouTube videos that centers on... Expensive stunts. So Mr. Beast, if you look him up, does all these videos. He's apparently the richest man on the planet and he can like wipe his nose with, with $1,000 bills, okay? He can clean his toes with it because he's got so much money to throw away. He one time played paper, rock, scissors against the rock and whoever lost would donate $100,000 to the charity of the other guy's choice. Another time, he took a group of people, like a father and son combos, so like three or four of them, took them to Best Buy and said, you have 60 seconds to put as much as you want in this cart, whoever can put the most, like have the greatest value in 60 seconds, that one wins, or whatever it may be. Remember, this is the show. Actually, when we were younger, okay, Supermarket Sweep or whatever it was. So I was, I was fascinated by this YouTuber genre of careers, and now I have a son who's approaching college. So I'm gonna, I, I thought after this, he should for sure look into this. <laughs> it's, for, it's a prolific career. But then I looked a little bit further into it. So I said, okay, how much does a YouTuber make? And again, I asked my kids and they're like, millions of dollars, okay, but I wanted to look into it. Because it's alluring, it's tempting. YouTube, if you get 1,000 views on your video, how much money will YouTube pay you? $18. 1,000 views, that ain't easy. That's a lot of views. If you get 1,000 views, you will get $18. Of that, Google will keep forty-five percent. <laughs> so you working for a thousand views, you take home nine dollars and ninety cents, pre-tax. <laughs> so you're, this is impossible to make money. Like there are people who do it, but this is impossible. But then you know the, the the worst part. I shouldn't say the worst part. I didn't mean it that way. But the part that explains it all. They went to these same kids in this survey and they they asked them, what is it you're looking for in a career, and you know number four on the list was money. Now I'm not saying money's the end all be all, but what I'm saying is when I was looking for a job, money is one of the primary things that you're looking for, especially at this age. Money was number four. Number three, creativity. Number two, self-expression, and then number one, this is so typical of the world in 2022, number one thing people are looking for in a career, fame. To be famous. Do you see the problem? See the problem that exists in the world today? The problem is today, culture pushes us towards fame, celebrity, status, be a star, have lots of followers, have lots of views, get lots of likes. But the problem is, the world today confuses prominence with significance. And the world today defines the two as the same that if someone is prominent, they must be significant because they're prominent. So the world pushes us not doing good, but looking good. Not being great, but just having people call you great. And the world today tells us that if you get enough people who tell you you're great, then you're great. If You get enough people who like you, then you must be something special. You get enough people who wanna follow you and see the dumb things you post online that you must be really something significant in this world. Well, here's the problem. How do you get to prominence? How do you get to famous? How do you get to celebrity? The only way to get there is is, is only one way, self-promotion, self-serving, self-centered. That's the only way to be prominent is to be completely self-serving, all about me. But as we know from the scriptures, as our Lord taught us, as I'm going to try to make the case today that serving yourself will never make you great. Serving yourself will make you famous. Serving yourself will make you prominent. Serving yourself will make you have lots of followers and lots of likes and lots of whatever it is. But it will not make you great because greatness comes from serving others, not from serving myself. Greatness comes from serving others, not from serving myself. Every single person in this room, no matter how many people are following you online, no matter how many likes or how many friends or how many whatever it is that you got, no matter how many people even know your name, you can be great. But your greatness doesn't come from serving yourself. Your greatness comes from serving one another. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why volunteering is so important. Because it's a a chance to step outside of myself and say it's not about me. My whole life is about me, not at this. At one point, I have to say, I have to do something where I don't benefit, where I'm just serving and I'm volunteering and I'm giving myself for someone else's benefit other than my own. Now, this idea of self-serving is not a new thing. Okay, ever since man has been on this earth, man has tried to make his name great, has tried, self-promotion has always been a thing. That's why you see people, okay, the rich people, the emperors and the rulers, lay, build great statues to themselves. So they can be great because that's what they thought it was. If people knew who I was and never forgot me, then I'd be great. People try to acquire treasures, whatever it may be, in order to be great. And it's not even just non-spiritual people. Spiritual people like us in the church. This applies to us too. Because did you know there was a time where the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ fell into this same trap of wanting to be great? We're going to look at a passage right now from Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to tell you off the bat, before we get into the text, I'm going to tell you off the bat, it is a remarkable passage. What we're going to read is so unbelievable, is so unbelievable that it took place, that this is one of the reasons why when someone's like, how do you know that the gospels are true? How do you know what they said is accurate? Passages like this prove it. Because if it wasn't true, no one wouldn't right mind would put this in because it makes them look very, very, very bad. We're going to see a passage from Luke chapter 22. Let's get a little context. If I say Luke 22, where is that in the life of Jesus? Beginning, middle, or end? Luke 22. Luke has how many chapters in it? 24. So this is Luke 22, so this is near the end. And I'll give you a, a, a spoiler alert. 24 is when Jesus rises from the dead. 23 is when Jesus dies. Okay? So 22 is right before Jesus dies. The very last days of Christ on this earth. By this point in time, The disciples had spent three years with Jesus. They knew what he liked and what he didn't like. They knew what made him happy and what made him not happy. They knew the things that he said were important, the things that he said were not that important. They knew him as well as you could know him. This is their last day with him before he dies. And on this last night, before Jesus is arrested, so this is the day before Good Friday, so Thursday before Good Friday, Jesus is talking weird talk, saying weird things. Like everything seems to be fine, but Jesus is like, the Son of Man's about to be betrayed. They're like, oh my goodness, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he's like, we're about, about to be scourged and spit upon and delivered. And they're like, Jesus, like, we're just having dinner. Like, what's going on? Like, what are you They didn't get it. And he kept saying all these cryptic messages, but they knew something was going on, but they didn't get it. And their response to what Jesus says, again, it's so unbelievable. Just so you believe me, because you're going to think I'm making this up. Because you're going to think yourself, there's no way. Jesus on his last day, I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. There's no way the disciples would say anything funny. I'm going to show you the context. We're going to go to Luke 22, and we're going to step back in the story when, of, of the four verses preceding the verse I want to show you. Okay, so just to get the context. Luke 22:19. 19. This is the last supper, the night before Jesus dies. He took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Something very important is happening. Jesus is being serious. This is my body. Verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of my new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So again, serious. Something is going to happen. I give you my body. I give you my blood. Verse 21. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they're like, Jesus, like Jesus is raising the temperature in the room. Okay, give you my body, give you my blood, my betrayer. son of man about to be betrayed, verse 23. And then they began to question among themselves, which of them would do this thing? So again, this heightened state of like betrayers, it's gonna be him, it's gonna be him, gonna be him. Now the very next verse, not like the next day, not like after an intermission, not like after they saw I had a commercial break, the very next verse, Jesus said, I'm gonna die, here's my body, here's my blood, betrayer, scourge, verse 24, now there's a dispute among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, am I reading this right? Are you kidding me? This is insane. I'm standing up here. Let's say me. I'm Father Anthony. I'm up here. And I'm like, guys, I've been serving you in this church for 10 years. This is my last Sunday. I'm going down after this. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die. This is my last one, my final words. And you're like, can I have your office when you're done? What are you going to do with your, with your car? Oh, and uh, Father Timothy comes to me and says, what size robe are you just curious? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm saying this is my last day. This is my, Jesus just said this is my body. This is my blood. Washed his feet. Like, everything. And they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. You know, these days, like, okay, like the goat. You ever heard of the expression, the goat? Everything is like the goat, the greatest of all time. Who's the greatest of all time? And you know, if you're YouTube or you're sport, I'm a sports guy. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? And it's, oh, it's this guy, it's this guy. And who's the greatest football player? And who's the greatest, whatever it is. Well, these guys are like, who's the greatest of us of all time? This is not the appropriate time for this discussion. This is not the appropriate time. Maybe after he goes, but this is not the appropriate time. And I'm just trying to picture myself. I'm, Pe- I'm thinking Peter's saying to himself, okay, guys, clearly I'm the greatest. Because I didn't see anyone else else walk on water. Like all of you walk and you go in the water. I walk on top of the water and I was dancing on top of the water. Anyone else dance on top of the water? And then John's like, look here, man. Enough with the water thing. We get it. You walked on water. You're the greatest. You walked on water. That was one time. But clearly Jesus loved me the best. Because if you read my, in the gospel, it says that the one who Jesus loved, the one who Jesus loved. And then James, who was, who was John's brother, would say, hey, bro. He could say bro because it was his brother. Okay. Hey, bro, enough of the third person in the gospel thing. Like, we get it. Okay. You think you're the Jesus' favorite. And then Bartholomew was like a peacemaker guy. And Bartholomew is like, okay, guys, I don't know if anyone probably, you know, it's me. And they're all like, Bartholomew, pipe down. No one even knows who your name is. Like, Barth- people hear Bart, they didn't think of a Simpson before they think of a disciple. But there they are, the disciples, the leaders of the faith. Give you my body, give you my blood about to die. And they're like, I want to be number one. I want to be great. I want to be prominent. And Jesus goes on. He said to them, look, guys, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. Not so among you, not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? To which they're all thinking, no, it's the one who's sitting is the one who is the greater. And he says, no, it is not he who sits at the table. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Not so among you, not so among you. On the contrary, not so... That's how they look at greatness. I get it. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, I get it. Out there, the greatness is the guy at the head of the table. But in here, in my kingdom, greatness is the one who's serving at the table. Out there, it's the one with the most lights. The one who says, look at me, look at me, look at me. But in here, there is greatness. You can be great, but it's not that way. It's the one who's serving others, not serving himself. And you know the worst part about this passage? is this actually wasn't the first time that Jesus had this discussion with them and they had this discussion. He says it bluntly in the passage from Matthew 23, verse 11, which historically happened even prior to this. Jesus said to them very clearly, he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's about as blunt as it can be. Jesus said, you want to be great? I want you to be great. You can be number one. But it's not from look at me, look at me, look at me. It's from giving, from serving someone other than yourself. Now, if you were raised in church, like if you grew up in church, you'll notice something here at STSA that might be a little bit, you know, different than the way you were raised. We don't say the word here, servant. We don't like the word servant. We talk about volunteering. Okay, if you were raised in the church, okay, anyone who was volunteering was called a servant and a servant, and I get it. Okay, the idea is that, you know, we're we're offering something and we give it, but we're very intentional here about not using the word servant. We talk about volunteering, not servant. That's intentional for a couple reasons. First of all, the first and most important is that I I felt, I feel that the word servant in church circles has lost its original meaning. And in fact, it's actually used to mean the opposite of what it really means. Because you know the word servant actually means the word slave. It means someone who is serving and someone who is the lowest of the lowest position. But we in churches have taken it to be the opposite out of my way. Servant coming through. And servants is like a status thing. You can't talk to me that way. I'm a servant. <laughs> Do you know what that means? And it's become like a social class. Wait, are you a servant? Oh, I'm sorry. You can't come in this meeting. It's only for servants. Sorry. Because you don't know our like secret codes. We have secret handshakes. When you're a servant, you have secret, and you have meeting. Oh, and you have positions. Do you know there's servant positions? So You start off as a servant, but then you can be a head servant which is like a really, okay, but what's the top of the pyramid in servants? Coordinator. That's when you know you made it big time, when you are a coordinator. So like, we don't do that. We don't have a hierarchy. We don't have positions. We don't like the word servant because it's just become, it means the wrong thing. We like to be clear. When you are serving, you're asked to volunteer in this capacity, okay? Volunteer, it's just clear, it's just, it's, it's neater. Now, there's a second reason why we don't like the word servant as well. And that maybe is a little more philosophical, but this is what I want to share with you. If I volunteer in the church and I do a job in the church, is that enough to make me a servant? And if I don't volunteer in the church, does that mean I'm not a servant? Like if I stack chairs on Sunday, okay, I'm good. I'm a servant of Christ. If I pour coffee, that makes me a servant. Like, is that all it is? Just a job that I do? Like volunteering is a job, you do it. But service, being a servant to me is much, much, much bigger than just a job that you do on Sunday. Because I believe that serving isn't something we do. I believe it's who we are. I believe it's more of a mindset than it is an action. I define myself as a servant Whether or not I stack chairs or don't stack chairs doesn't mean that I'm a servant because servant is bigger than that. Let me tell you what the opposite, opposite of a servant mentality is. When I was in college, my third and fourth year, I lived in a house with eight guys. Eight guys, eight guys. Eight disgusting, eight smelly, eight don't know how to clean up after themselves, eight, none of us had girlfriends, like eight disgusting guys. We had the opposite of a servant mindset because what we were was every man for himself. You know, a trash can. We weren't all the sharpest guys, but we figured out some things very early on. If you put a trash can in the middle of the kitchen, once it fills up, it's gonna overflow. We came up with a system that you could go even beyond the the, the capacity by leaning it against the wall then you could stack against the wall and then someone from the engineering school said okay wait a minute if i put it against two walls in a corner so i'm telling you i'm not joking we would stack the trash in there and the rule was whoever made it topple had to take it out so we would pile that thing would be like this high and when it was this high you were very careful with your trash because you did not want to take it out. So you would put things in very carefully, like Jenga, you know, in Jenga, okay? It was like that. And even, like, even the rule was, like, if it's full and you walk and buy it and you walk and buy it, so we would walk by like this. Because if you walk and by and you knocked it over, you had to. I'm not, I'm not, t- I'm telling you the truth, okay? In front of God. When it would be that high, what I would do, and I'm sure others did it, I know others did it as well. And I had a trash that I wanted to throw away Yeah, I think twice about, you know what? I would keep the trash in my room until somebody took that out. And I know it wasn't just me because the second it got knocked over and it went out, a minute later it was full (laughs) because we all had piles of trash in our room that we were just storing until somebody took it out. The sink. You know how in normal people's homes you keep clean dishes in the cabinet you use it, you put it in the sink, you wash it, you put it back in the cabinet. We didn't need the cabinets. We stored everything in the sink. <laughs> the default for the dishes was dirty. So everything was stacked in the sink. If you wanted a plate, you went, you washed it, you used it, you put it back dirty. So much, It was so disgusting that I solved the problem my own way because I'm like an independent, self-reliant kind of a guy. What I decided to do, because that's just, just gross, I went home one weekend. And I came back to school with one plate, one knife, one fork, one spoon, one cup. Kept it in my room. I don't want any of those other animals to touch my stuff. I won't tell you what we did when the toilet paper ran out. I won't tell you what we did. But I will tell you this: that one point, one point one of the moms came, is at the end of the year, and she was helping us, because you know you do the security deposits, you gotta clean up after the end of the year. And she said, your bathroom is disgusting. How many times did you clean this bathroom in the past two years? What do you think our answer was? (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. We were like, we're supposed to clean the bathroom? (laughs) The point of all that is, we had the opposite of a servant mindset. We had a every man for himself. Now let's get serious right now. Some of us, some of us are never around when work needs to be done. Some of us, when there's a spill of coffee, we magically disappear. When the trash is full, we're always on the phone. When the diaper needs to be changed, all of a sudden, uh, we magically disappear. When the chairs need to be stacked, when a block needs to be moved, when someone needs help or something, some of us, we magically, were never ever there. Some of us are the nicest people on the planet You ask people at work, they're the nicest, they're a great servant. Ask the people in church, they have the most servant heart of all time. Then you ask the people that they live with. Spouse and children, roommates. And they tell you the exact opposite. If we're a Christian, serving is not something we do. We don't serve. We are servants. That service manifests itself in home, at work, at church, but it's who I am because my master, my Lord said that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And if I'm his disciple and he said, I'm not here for myself, I'm here for everyone else. Then how can it be any other way? Give me a verse here from Galatians chapter six, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Listen carefully. If you are a Christian, you don't need a sign from heaven to serve. You don't need like, okay, I'm praying. What does, no. If you are a Christian, you are a child of God, then you seek every opportunity to serve others. It's a mindset. It's not a job. Yes. Again, like like we said, we have a volunteer table here. We're going to show you the app. Like we want everyone to sign up for a specific volunteer here in church. That's just one component. That doesn't, that's not the end all be all. We want you to have a specific volunteer opportunity, but more so I want you to have a servant mindset that everywhere you go, even in the Starbucks when you're thirsty and the guy messed up your order, even when you go to get the oil change and your car's not ready, even when you sit down at the dinner and there's a hair in your soup, you have a servant mindset. You are always looking for opportunities to do good to others because that is what our master did for us. You can volunteer and not serve, just like you can serve and not volunteer and serve. It's more than that, it's a mindset, it's who we are. Now, the next thing that you might say, okay, especially when it comes to volunteering, you know, what if I'm not gifted? What if I'm not qualified? What if I'm not ready? What if I don't have any gifts? We get so bogged down with this like qualifications, as as if we're splitting the atom up here, anything that we're doing. I tell you that there is only one criteria necessary, to volunteer in the church and that criteria one ability is availability that's it that's all it takes you say but i don't know how to preach i say it's okay you say i don't i haven't read the whole bible that's okay you say i hate kids you say we all hate the kids <laughs> but that's okay just joking parents just joking just joking the number one ability the only ability needed is availability is the willingness to interrupt our schedule. And if we're honest, this is where we struggle. We don't like losing control. We don't like anything interrupt us. Okay, I'd love to, like if I say, who would love to volunteer in a theoretical, great. Okay, who can come Wednesday at this? Oh, I, I, I might have something. How about Sunday at this? Well, that's when I sleep it. And how about, <laughs> we don't like to be interrupted. But do you know, one time I read a book. It was talking about Jesus and the interruptions of Christ. Did you know that the majority of Jesus' ministry, specifically his miracles, were not like, I'm going to go there and do a miracle. The majority was, I'm just walking down the road, and someone interrupted. And someone said, hey, do you mind? You got a minute? And if it's me and you, we're like, oh, but I'm busy, and I got a thing to do, and I'm doing my schedule, and schedule in advance. Jesus would just stop. First miracle Jesus did was what? Turned water into wine, wedding of Cana of Galilee. Just chilling at a wedding, hanging out with his friends. His mom was there, his friends were there, selfie, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hanging out. And then they're like, We need you, Jesus. And I would have been like, Guys, schedule it. He's busy. This is a night off. Like, okay, he's got the service in the morning. He's been serving all day. Like, give him a break. Jesus is like, I didn't come for a break from here, and I can help. I help. He's walking down the road trying to get from one place to the next. And again, I'm sure he had a busy agenda. Dead people I need to raise, blind people I need to heal, you know, demons I need to cast out. And someone stopped and say, Jesus, my son, Jesus, my son. Okay, let me come with you. What's going on with your son? He was always willing to stop. Best example, the, when Jesus did the five loaves and the two fish. It says that Jesus was out with a group of people. And it said all day he had been healing, been casting out demons, preaching the gospel all day. That takes a lot of work. Like I never cast out a demon, but I would imagine it caused you to sweat a little bit. Like you would need a little bit of a break after like at least between every couple demons, but Jesus out there casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the gospel. And then they come to him. They're like, Jesus, the people are hungry. Jesus is like, so I'm hungry too. What do I care? Like I just cast out their demons. I, I just healed all their sick. I preached the gospel, but they're hungry. Send them away. That's what the disciples said. Send them away. Tell them to pack a lunch next time. Like, come on. Think ahead. That's not Jesus. That was the disciples. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I get it. We want to serve ourselves. I get it. We want to eat. I get it. We're tired. I get it. Do you want to be great? You want to be great? Serve others. That's the path to greatness. You want to be great in the world's eyes? Go up there and berate the people and tell them how and preach them how they should have done a better job. Do you want to be great in the kingdom? Roll up your sleeves and serve others. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Serving others doesn't happen on a schedule. Yes, we want you to have a volunteer opportunity and that does happen on a schedule. That's not chaotic, but I'm saying it's bigger than that. Serving others doesn't happen on a schedule. Like I wish it did. That would make my life much easier. Like I wish my kids only needed to talk to me when I didn't have any work to do. That would make it much easier. I wish you, you selfish people, when you go to the hospital, why can't you group it together? Like, why can't you just agree? We're only going to go to the hospital on Wednesdays and Thursdays, then I can just come, visit all... Like, I wish it was that way. I wish my friends didn't need to talk on the same day that I had a, a deadline at work. Like, I wish that service was convenient. But that's not how it works. You can't tell your friends. You know, they say, oh, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I need to talk. Well, it's not a good time. Can you break up with her next week? Like, it's not. That's not how it works. Service. Serving others. Do not withhold when you have it in your hand to do it. And you know why this is especially important? I won't get into this too much, but just trust me on this one. Because when you do ignore that opportunity, when you do let it go, you will regret it. You will regret it. Because sometimes the opportunity doesn't come back. And I'm not saying regret it it in an earthly sense. I'm saying when we get up there, we will look back, and opportunities that we didn't even pay attention to and we will regret it. We will regret missing out on opportunities to be great when someone needed us and we were just too busy for them. I can tell you a story about that another time but that's not our topic for today. Last thought I wanna share, summarize it all. Serving is not something I do, it's who I am. The only ability I need is availability. Last thing I wanna bring it home is I serve because I need it, not because it needs me. I serve because I need it, not because it needs me. I started off by telling you about those YouTubers and people who want to be famous. Well, you know how you combat? The church gives us positive habits to combat things that are constantly working against us. The way you combat the desire for self serving and self seeking, which is a constant for all of humanity. From the very beginning of Adam to the very end, humanity is always self-serving. You have to know there's always a wind pushing against you called self-serving. So you have to push against that. And the way you do that is by volunteering, by rolling up your sleeves, by going out of your way. It's the same way gluttony is always pushing us this way. The church says every now and then you need to fast to remind yourself that it's not that. Greed is always pushing us this way. Every now and then you need to give. You need to tie. You need to be generous. The world is always pushing us in certain directions. The church tells us to go in this direction. Be preventative care is always your best care. When we volunteer, when we serve, what we say to self-serving is we say, I know you're out there. I know you're in there. Self-serving, I know you're in there. I'm not going to let you ruin me. I'm not going to let you master my life. I'm going to go against that. Even though I don't see that it's taking over my life, I'm never even going to give it a chance. I am going to go against self-serving, which is so common today. And the reward of it, I promise you, you will see the reward of it in your life. You know where you'll see the reward? is in your relationships. I read a nice quote. It says, the one who only serves himself will eventually find himself all by himself. Again, the one who only serves himself or herself. Okay, The one who only serves himself will eventually find himself all by himself. You know why? Because nobody likes to be around a selfish person. Nobody likes, like does anyone, is like that person's so selfish, let's go hang out with them. I met the most selfish guy, I wanna marry him. (laughs) Anybody say that? I interviewed this guy, he was so self-serving, that's the guy I'm gonna hire. Anybody say that? You know, the people that you want to work with, the people that you, you, if you're a supervisor, manager, the people that you want to work with, With you, like that, you want to hire the bosses that you want to work for as the people who are selfless, the people who are sacrificing. That's who you want around you. If you want to get married, that's who you want to marry. If you're a parent, like now I'm closer to the like talking about my kids who they're going to marry than thinking back to my own because it's been so many years. So I'm thinking to myself, who I want my kids to marry. The number one criteria is selfless, the number one criteria is someone who is sacrificing, someone who's not all about me. That's what you want for your son, for your daughter. Those are the relationships that get better with time. I always say this when people ask me about like, my marriage and say the number one criteria in our marriage that I, I want to say this for every marriage is selflessness, is sacrifice. Like sometimes you hear about like, the commands that the church gives you. And husbands, you have a hard command. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Say, that's hard to do. I said, but you know, for me, it's easy. You know why? Because I have the most selfless wife on the planet. I know that to love her and to invest in her, I know she's going to invest double in me. So it's not hard for me. It's hard for me to do because it's hard. But I'm saying it's not hard for me to motivate myself to want to do that. And then you go to Marianne and the church says to Marianne, submit to your husband as Christ does to the church and your and, or, or church does to Christ. And you're like, why would a wife submit? Now submit and submit and submit. And Marianne would tell you if she was on this stage, Say, so submit is easy. You know why it's easy? Because I know he sacrificed himself for us anytime. It's easy to submit to someone who sacrificed himself for you. And it's easy to love someone who you know is sacrificing self for, like, that's how it works. But when it's every man for himself, it's never going to work. No one wants to be in that. No one wants to give themselves for someone who's not giving. So where you are going to find the reward of sacrificing is in your relationships. I promise you. Because everyone wants to be around someone who's a servant. And you know who else wants to be around someone who's a servant? God himself says the same thing. Look at this verse. John chapter 12, verse 26. If anyone serves him, serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, where I am, there my servant will be also. And he says, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. I hold on to that verse. Anyone serves me, him my father will honor. For where I am, there my servant will be also. So, did I convince you that I don't want anything from you? Did I convince you this is not a we need, we need, we need, we need? This is an I need. And if you are hopefully convinced, then let me encourage you to join a volunteer team and be with these nice smiling faces up here on the screen whether you're in Leesburg, whether you're here in Arlington join a volunteer team we got a table set up here in the room and I'm going to finish up here in a minute I will invite you to stop by that table sign up to volunteer learn about the different opportunities we have available if you don't want to stop by the table because you've got stuff to do you can just go to the SCSA app hit the volunteer button and you will see all the different teams that we have available right here and just so you know, like traditionally, again, if you grew up in church, serving in the church meant you had two options. You teach Sunday school or you clean the bathrooms. So like those were the two options. Okay. Teach the kids or clean the bathrooms. Say, I don't want to do any one of those. And I tell you between me and you, don't tell anybody, I don't clean the bathrooms and I don't teach the kids. So there's many more opportunities other than that. If you like details, you are a detail oriented person and you like systems and processes, join the AV team. That's all that is. It's plugging in wires, but it's very system oriented. If you like serving out in the community, join the Community Impact Team, Leesburg or Arlington. If you like meeting people, join the Connection Team. That's where you get to greet people every Sunday. If you like avoiding people and you don't want to see people, join the Facilities Team, the Setup and the Takedown. You get to work with stuff and things. And you don't have to talk to people. If you like making people happy and just seeing people have big smiles on their faces, join the Hospitality Team because people are never happier than when they're that cup of coffee after church. If you like making people sing and make them joyful, join the music team if you have the gift of music. Join the music team. Whatever it is your gift, your desire, ministry is more than Sunday school and bathrooms and preaching. Ministry is anytime we have a gift, we use it for the glory of God, that is ministry. Now I want to leave you with two verses. I want to conclude this thing with two verses and I got two verses that wrap up the whole thing one is negative, one is positive. Which one do you want first? Let's start with the negative first. Even though I already put it in the things, so I couldn't switch the order anyway. The negative, if you're a negative person and you like a wrath of God kind of a person or kind of like a this, okay? The negative one for you is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's in the Bible. And I want to put that on top of the coffee and the snacks, okay, after the liturgy. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And truthfully, when this, when, this, when this was written, actually the sign should be written over the communion table. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's the negative verse. That's not really our style here at STSA. Let's go with the positive verse. Matthew 10, verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Did you know that in God's book, there is no such thing as a little service? Is no such thing. Every service, even the smallest, all I'm doing is plugging in wires. All I'm doing is stacking chairs. All I'm doing is cleaning coffee. There's nothing little in God's eyes. Because when it's done for an infinite God, then it has an infinite reward. Even a cup of cold water. Like everything in this world costs money, the only thing that you can get free in this world today is a cup of cold water. But even Jesus says, that will not be forgotten in my eyes. There are no little services. God's eyes just as in the body of Christ you see me up here there's parts of me that you see that are prominent and there's parts of me that you don't see because they're hidden inside but those parts that are hidden inside I want to say are are just as important they're more important The, the lungs and the organs and the hearts and the pancreases and things like that same thing in the body of Christ don't get fooled by the prominent don't get fooled by the people that you see up here on the stage and I'm up here on the stage and I'm doing it the real people who get the reward from God is the hidden things may seem small but in god's eyes there is nothing small and my hope and my prayer for everyone here is that we would adopt that servant mindset that we would have that servant mindset and i promise you you will not regret it because god has something special for those who do that let's stand up together and pray in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit one god amen lord we thank you We thank you, Lord, that you set for us an example that you didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. Instill in us, Lord, this servant mindset, a servant heart, and let us to not just commit to volunteering here in the church, but everywhere we go, Lord, to have this this, this servant mindset so that you, Lord, would be proud of us and that we would never be self-seeking or self-serving, but always seeking to honor your holy name. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ with the prayers of all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stop by the volunteer table. Go to the...